Welcome to the LaughSpin.com podcast. Hey guys, what's up? It's Dylan from LaughSpin.com and welcome to another episode of the LaughSpin podcast. If this by chance is your first time listening to the Laugh Spin podcast, let me break down what we do for you each week. Myself and co-host Mike, we usually deliver about, oh, 30 to 40 minutes, maybe even an hour of comedy news. We play some cool new audio clips from the world of comedy, and it's basically a reader's digest of what's going on in the world of comedy that week. And then sometimes we have special episodes, and that is what you are listening to right now. During the special episodes, we interview very well-known comedians, we interview comedians I love, and this week it's Lisa Lampanelli. You know Lisa Lampanelli. If you're listening to this podcast, you are absolutely familiar with Lisa Lampanelli and her work. You know her from the roasts, you know her from her many DVDs and albums and specials. You might know her from her book, which I highly recommend you pick up. It's called Chocolate Please. It is a wonderful, raw, honest, hilarious memoir. I highly recommend you pick it up. So what do we talk about here? Well, we talk about Lisa Lampanelli's dramatic weight loss. She had uh, some surgery that helped her attain weight loss. So we talk about that. We talk about a few of her dead boyfriends. It's true. She has uh, a handful of dead boyfriends, which I find hilarious. Uh, we we talk about her one-woman show, her one-woman show that she's been touring around it's been getting great reviews and it's going to go, uh, it's going to hit Broadway sometime next year. They don't have a, a firm date, but uh, she tells us all about that. And, you know, we talk about a lot of other things, her, her eating issues, her time in rehab for those eating issues and codependency situations. It's a very entertaining, very sort of intimate interview. I think we had a lot of fun. Uh, it took place in her apartment. She let me come to her apartment in New York City to interview her, which was very nice. She was actually getting ready uh, to do a few television appearances, uh, talk show Bethany, and then uh, she was off to uh, another TV appearance later that day. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Lisa Lampanelli for taking the time and sitting down with me and having this chat. I'm going to shut up. Here's the interview. Enjoy. Let us set the stage here a little bit. <laughs> we are sitting in Lisa Lampanelli's New York City apartment. Yes. Do not give the address because addre I'll, be I'll be disappointed when no one comes over. The address is as follows. <laughs> well, that's the worst. It's like I actually even when I got married, <laughs> I said I'm getting married at the Friars Club and I gave the time out on Howard Stern. No paparazzi even showed up. Really? So even if you gave the address, I wouldn't get a stalker. You know, <laughs> it stinks. My life is horrible. <laughs> well, we're we won't take a chance. I don't okay. I don't want to be the reason for your first stalker. Okay, that's cool. Because with my luck, your first stalker would be a killer. A killer. Mm -hmm. And we definitely uh we don't want a dead Lisa Lampanelli. Not yet. I Not mean, yet. I have a couple of good years left in me. When you're about what's the what's the what do you think's the optimal age to oh, drop to dead? Die? Yeah. I think probably seventy two, but then when I'm seventy two I'll probably think eighty five, then I'll think hundred and three. So I think you just never want to die. That's fair. Yeah. Maybe by that time, we will have figured out a way not to die. You can freeze my head. It's <laughs> my best feature. We could keep it at the Friars Club. Why not? They have other dead bodies there. <laughs> They're eating soup there right now. 
so we are we are sitting in Lisa Lampanelli's Manhattan apartment. She is in the process of getting made up for what exactly, Lisa? Oh, well, you know, I'm doing a talk show, a very highly rated talk show. <laughs> uh, no, my friend Bethany Frankel has a TV show. That's where I went and I announced my weight loss when I started losing weight last year. Right. And they asked me to come in for an update. So that's what I'm doing today. So this is a first me doing a podcast while getting hair and makeup done that's called a slice of life i feel i feel honored and uh mm-hmm. let's when and your, your your makeup guy here what's his this name this is rob he's fabulous in a, in a coincidence he also does the makeup for uh the witch in wicked so i try not to take it personally that we look alike <laughs> well that's great hello rob Oh, and we also have Parker, my dog, who is named after Sarah Jessica Parker because they're both ugly cute. Uh-huh. They're, I think who, I think your dog is, looking at him now, I think he's cute cute. He is, but Sarah isn't, and it's just a better joke that way. Yeah, I, I agree. Sarah, <laughs> Sarah isn't exactly what you'd consider um, traditionally beautiful. Yet very attractive. Like, if I was a dude, I'd stick it in her. Sure. I would. Oh, absolutely. Sure. It would take, uh, as a dude... It would take quite a bit for us not to stick it in something. You have a way with words, mister. You tried (laughs) it to be clean with that one. I liked it. Nice try. So you're going on Bethany, and you 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 look great, by the way. I'm sure uh, you've you've heard that a lot, but I'm I, I'm guessing you don't get sick hearing it. No, no, no. I mean, because the thing is, I got to squeeze 50 years of compliments into one year because <laughs> I lost the weight last year. Hopefully, I won't gain it back for another three. So you know, I'll take all the compliments I can get while I'm at it. Now you you got the um, not the it's not the bypass you got you got the sleeve right it's called a gastric sleeve which sounds disgusting yeah. but it's not it's basically they just cut out most of your stomach so you can't eat like you have nine rectums it's very uh, it's a safe procedure <laughs> it's laparoscopic it's not very you know you don't feel sick afterwards it's it's a really good good procedure and Jimmy Big Balls my husband got it too. Right. He got it uh, a few months after you, right? Yes. He said if I didn't die on the table, he'd get it in June of that year. And <laughs> I didn't die, so he had to get it. Ha ha. Now he's skinny. That was very nice of him. Is he? I haven't I haven't seen photos of him. He's, he's oh, pretty he slim. Oh, he looks great, man. Oh, my God. He lost 98 pounds. Dear God. God, he was a big boy. When He shows me before pictures. I said, what was I thinking? Like, how low was my self-esteem at that point? Uh, <laughs> what are you going to do, right? But he was the he was the sort of the type of guy you used to go for, right? Yeah, back I in the day, really liked the big Italian soprano casting call type of guys, and uh, that's been sort of my thing. Uh, you know, I had that brief foray into the blacks, but uh, you know, then you get sick of it and you want a guy with a job and no kids. Right, I could see that being a better option. Yes, a little bit. <laughs> so since you got the surgery, now you have to work out and stuff, and you have to. You have to maintain maintain. that, right? And the biggest part of the whole thing is not just, um, you know, eating small amounts and exercise. It's really the emotional part because that's why we most of us gain weight is, you know, you eat out of emotion. You eat when you're sad or tired or or, uh, angry or whatever. And or you just want comfort food. So that's what I work on like every day because, you know, it's so easy to slip into those habits. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know you've you've gone the, the rehab route. Yes. And uh, I'm sure you, you, you talk about this in, in therapy quite a bit. What what do you do to sort of I mean, I, I mean, I personally I, I can't even remember the last time I ate because I was hungry. I usually yes. just okay. I usually just eat 
because. Right. You understand that. I do. I absolutely do. You almost say, why am I going to put this in my mouth right now? Like, is it because I'm legitimately hungry? And if you're not, you just hope that you can talk yourself out of it like a drunk has to talk themselves out of a drink. You got to go, you know, what is it going to make me feel less lonely? Is it going to be, you know, really make me feel better? Or is it going to be one of those things where I just hate myself more afterwards? Right. And, you know, it's just that bad habit that I've had since I was 18 years old. That's why I'm doing the Broadway show I told you about, because people have to point out that, you know, you get into these routines of just treating yourself badly for years and you got to say no. Finally, you grew up in 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 an Italian uh, household. Mm -hmm. I grew up in an Italian household. Do you think that has anything to do with it? Oh, my God. Yeah. And when you're Italian, you eat till there's a death. I mean, you just don't (laughs) stop. I mean, my mother's house, that was the original Olive Garden. So you just have unlimited access to food. The mothers show love out of uh, feeding you. And there's really nothing wrong with that. Back in those days, that was just normal. Right. So you just got to say to yourself now that you're the adult, you be the good parent and go, all right, let's put the brakes on and see if I really need this. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. I didn't realize how large the portions of food my mother gave me right. were until I started getting friends and going over to their houses. Right. And I saw like how they ate. Oh, I know. Like I started going to classy restaurants with my gay friends because <laughs> I never heard of places like Danielle and John George and stuff till I started hanging with the homos. Right. And you see the tiny little plates of food and they're beautiful and nice and you don't take doggy bags home. It's like <laughs> so amazing. I'm like, wow, we eat like pigs. Yeah, but it was, I I mean, it just didn't seem like, you know, if my mom made pork chops, Mm -hmm. we got a pork chop and we ate it and there was, you know, vegetables and starches or whatever. Right. But after that pork chop, there was no doubt at least uh, a handful of extra pork chops on the the stove. Yes, God forbid. (laughs) I don't know. My mother, even now for Thanksgiving, gets the huge turkey plus a turkey breast that never in all these years has ever been touched but she has to have it just in case. So there's always extra food around. Yeah. And that, and that I think, certainly makes it a little bit more difficult. Well, and also, you, know, you don't want to hurt your mother's feelings by saying no. That's the thing with my family. It was always like, ah, mommy really shows us love that way. So I got to eat. And then you get your mother's approval, too. So it's all tied in psychologically. It's just a mess. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And so so tell me a little bit about you're doing you're you've been you've been touring this one woman show around uh, all in preparation for its run on Broadway, correct? Right, right. We tried it in five cities so far, Philly, York, PA, Schenectady, New Brunswick, a whole bunch of places. We do changes every night and then rewrite the next day and do it differently the next day. So it's insane process, but it's so much fun. Like I feel like, oh my God, something I never experienced before, like this collaborative stuff with a writer and a director and a producer. And it's great with producers, you like nod when they give you notes, you pretend that they're correct and then and you just ignore it. So I love collaborating that way. But yeah, this is the show's all about my struggle with men, food, and you know, comedy and how it sort of intertwined to, you know, show me that I just gotta keep working on my stuff just like everybody else. Right. And is there a, a date yet for 
Well, we're in arguments right now. I wouldn't say it's an argument. I wouldn't say it's an argument. <laughs> you know, uh, my producer's awesome. They, they're like, well, you know, let's try for, or let's shoot for next October of 2014. And I'm like, damn, the show, while the show isn't 100% ready, the script's 90% of the way there. Yeah. And it's three years, you know, these scripts take a long time since it's a play and it's not just stand up. So, you know, they're shooting for that date. I'm trying to nudge them more into the spring of 2014. But, you know, when it, he said, when it's ready, it's ready. And what we put on the stage is the most important thing, which is actually true. Is spring better than than fall? No, is, I just want to get it out there because honestly, so far, and it's just so cool. So far, I've noticed that a lot of big women, big men are coming to the show and they're sort of looking at it as, wow, we heard about her struggles in a funny way. Yeah. Now we can work on our stuff. And, you know, I just like the message being out there. So I don't know. I just I'm anxious to get things going. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, for you, I mean, w when it debuts on Broadway, it's a brand new show for 95% of the people. But for you, oh, you've, yeah. you've been doing it for uh, a long time at this point. Yeah, yeah. And luckily, like I said, it keeps changing. You know, the script that we were doing in March is very different than the one we're doing now. So, yeah, it's exciting and it keeps moving. But I'm just like, okay, time to do this and then time to tour it. I want to, you know, once I finish Broadway, I want to tour it all over the country and kind of bring it to people because you think the fat people can sit in those tiny Broadway seats. They're, they're racist on Broadway against fat people. So yeah, I just want to get it out there. And then I want to just kind of, you know, move on and do a new challenge. Cause you know us, we need, we always need something new to do. Yeah, you've done a lot. I, I was going to say you've done it all, but I don't want to say that because right, right. There's, well, comedy there's more wise, to do. Comedy wise, I can't think of anything else that are that's left. You yeah, know, you, after you do an HBO special and a bunch of comedy specials and, and a radio, book, yeah, and Radio City and all. I mean, yes, I could shoot for a best selling book, like one that isn't remaindered. That would be nice, but you know, <laughs> it's still it, it's. I think with comedy, I kind of did everything I want. I still obviously will always perform comedy because it's great money and also. So it's so much fun and the people like it, but you always need something where you go, oh, that's a little titillating. I want to try something and do outside the box for me. Do you think the, the show is something you'd want to record? Yeah, I think it would be good to do for a Showtime or an HBO or something. Mm -hmm. But then just after though, after it's toured though, because I think people should see it live first. I right. think it's pretty important. Speaking of uh, doing things that are that are titillating or you know challenging, I know you're I know you're a fan of Dancing with the Stars. Is that something? Oh my God, I am. And you know what? They told me I couldn't do it because I was on The Apprentice. And then I said, Well, so was Pendulette and Adam Carolla. And they said, Yeah, but they did Dancing with the Stars first, so it's got to be like in that order. So I'm like, Damn it! I just need to get famous enough where they waive that rule because I will be the best dancer ever. Who? I can't see me be any worse than Bill Engball. <laughs> <laughs> who's they? Who's who's they? That's I guess it's producers or casting or whatever. I think basically when I'm famous enough and they want me enough, they'll let you do it no matter what. But it's I really want to do it. Is that crazy? Like, is it stupid that I want to do that show? No, I think I, it looks fun. I don't. I don't think it's crazy. I think it's one of the few. Uh, reality shows where you actually see 
it's it's sort of I don't want to sound too cheesy, but it's yeah. sort of inspiring because you see prog- yeah. you see this progress, you see this evolution. I agree. You know, like one week Snooki dances lousy, the next week she's good. It's yeah. just like, oh, okay, so hard work does pay off. You know, so I I would like to do it. But uh, when I look at other reality shows now, ever since The Apprentice, I just want to throw up. Like I can't even watch them; they're too stressful. So, but so that's the only one I really watch anymore. Did you actually watch episodes of The Apprentice? Or oh my god. I watch I, that was my show like I watched it every single season I loved it but I mean, even your do. season oh my god yeah are you kidding <laughs> I loved it I loved yelling at people and screaming at people and telling them they were stupid that's my job <laughs> I really did that's what's crazy I was like I think that came off good then I'd get all these nasty people on Twitter saying I was mean and I was like what I'm just being honest I don't know these picky folks what is your relationship with uh, the Donald these days? Oh, you know, I do some charity stuff because uh, he had asked me to do a couple shows for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. And it's kind of hard to refuse. That's like the best charity on earth. Yeah. You know, every penny goes to the hospital and to the people who have their kids there. So uh, I actually like him. He, I mean, God, he kept me on the show for 14 weeks out of 16. It's pretty damn good. So, yeah, I have... I, I really like him. I do. I know he says crazy political stuff. Yeah. It's like, so what? He's nice to me. What do I care? Yeah, it's, you know, I've I've found this in just interviewing comedians where it's it's near impossible to dislike someone mm-hmm. once you've actually met them and and have talked to them. That's a great point because you could be like, oh, I hate this one. I hate their views. I hate that. And then if they're nice to you, well, that proves how codependent we are. I, it like, really does. Oh my God, you just showed me approval and that you'd invite me to a party. I love you. <laughs> you Yesterday was so funny in acting class because I've taken a lot of acting because of my show. Yeah. There was this kid who I hate. Like I hated him. He was doing fake anger instead of real anger. And trust me, I know what real anger is. So... We're in class and I'm like, I hate that kid. I'm going to have to gossip behind his back when we leave because I love doing that. And then me and him did like a little exercise together in class. I go, oh, my God, I really like him. He's so open. And I'm like, I am just a pussy who can't hate anyone if I know them. So, yes, it's it's impossible. Yeah, sure. It does have something to do with us being codependent. But I think a lot of it is fear of the unknown. You don't Mm -hmm. you don't know somebody. You know, years ago, I interviewed uh, Jeff Dunham, who, do I love his comedy? Not at all. Uh, Do I think he's an amazing talent? Not really. But once I met him and sat down with him and he gave this great interview, I was like, I can't. I can't dislike this right. guy. And also, I'm more apt to think they're <laughs> funny if they're nice to me. And you know what, too? I'm more apt to think they're funny if they're nice to my husband, because my husband, Jimmy, works at Gotham Comedy Club. Yeah. And he'll say, oh, you know who was great with me? And he'll name like a comic who I don't really like. And then I'll be like, but they were nice to him. And they took a picture and they were they said nice things about me. Suddenly, I'm watching them on TV and they're hilarious. <laughs> I'm codependent. That's me. <laughs> But, uh, you know, at least at least you're honest about it. Yeah, at least it tips into the favor of, uh, you know, at least it does everybody some good. I'm not carrying around a lot of hate about it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. And I think as long as you're you're honest about it, I think it's very easy for people to hate and to dislike mm-hmm. people. It's 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 a, it takes a lot less energy to just say. Right. Well, that guy sucks. Right. Right. And also, it's just like it's better to almost let it go and like, well, you know what? They don't do necessarily what I like. But I don't do what they like. So everybody's allowed to have their opinion and that's fine. Like I'm, I'm through with the, um, 
getting all hurt because somebody on Twitter doesn't like what I do or whatever. It's just like, you know what? I let that go about a year ago. Ever since I got the operation, I was like, I can't let other people affect my mood and be like in my life just because I read Twitter, I can't get in a bad mood all the time. Right. I think that's interesting. I think a lot of outsiders, I think a lot of fans of comedy would be surprised to hear, you know, here's Lisa Lampanelli. She's selling out theaters all across the country. She has for years. She's actually affected by what one jerk off has to say on Twitter. Right, right. And, you know, it's really funny because I think that was at a really sensitive point right before the surgery. Like you're about to go under the knife and, you know, I had just done The Apprentice and people were like, oh my God, you're so mean. I'm just like, oh my God, everybody hates me. And yet it's not everybody. It's a, like 10% maybe, but those aren't your fans anyway. They already didn't like you. So I just said for about a year, I said, I'm not going to read this until I'm ready to like read the hate with the love and not take either too seriously. Right. What eventually you've, you know, talked about your struggle with uh, codependency and your weight. I mean, I reread your book. I've been rereading your book the last few days and and it's documented very well in there. And obviously that was before you, you, you did the surgery. Right, right. What eventually led you to the decision to get the surgery? Well, you know, uh, 32 years since ages 18 to, you know, 50, whatever, 50, I guess. There was always that, you know, diet, lose weight, then just gain back plus some. Yeah. And I mean, I literally tried everything, every diet you could ever name, more that you couldn't name, every exercise plan, food rehab, which is 28 days in a real rehab for food addiction. Yeah. Then I, I even bought a house at Canyon Ranch Health Spa and I still gained weight. I mean, I gain weight at Canyon Ranch. It's like all the food there has so much fiber. I swear to God, every every meal comes with a roll of toilet paper on the side. I'm like, if I'm still gaining this weight and I can't control it, there's something going on that I have to just intercede, get my health together, and then work on myself more from, as we talked about, the emotional angle of eating. So at age like 51, I said to Jimmy, let's just do this. Let's just you know get this procedure, start from square one, and really work on keeping this off and living like fit people live. Yeah. Do you think you would have done it if you weren't with Jimmy? Oh, yeah. I was doing it no matter what. Yeah. He, even when we went to the doctors, he wasn't going to do it. He was just like, okay, I'll drive you. And, um, you know, I'm not going to do it myself because I want to do it the old-fashioned way. By the time the doctor said to us, how many people who are 70 are your weight? We're like, oh, my God, we're 51. If we only have 19 years left, that's really freaking sad. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, either way, I'm doing it. And he said, okay, I'm in too. Wow. Yeah. So I'm, thank God. Cause honestly, you can't improve your life if the per- person you're sitting there with is eating pies and you're trying not to. It's not, it's not cool. Yeah. Can you honestly say you feel healthier now? Oh my God. Yeah. 100% healthier. But I still feel like I'm 90% always struggling with some food issue, meaning whether it's looking in the mirror going, oh my God, am I gaining weight? Like in an anorexic crazy way or, oh, uh, I want to eat that, but I'm not hungry. You know, that whole like emotional eating stuff. So it's a daily thing. I think it's just going to last the rest of my life. And you know, you just work on it like an alky works on the alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, 
I, I think there's a stigma attached to people that have issues with food. It sounds silly, but it's, you know, it, it's been romanticized, you know, mm-hmm. drug and alcohol dependency, yes, yes. especially especially with artists. You know, if right. you're a comic and you're an alcoholic or you've had a, a, a you know, a drug addled past, mm-hmm. it's sort of uh, it's cool. It's sort of cool. Let's let's admit it. Yeah. You know? Foods are really uncool addiction. Yeah. It's, you know, it's views. You know, people are just viewed viewed as lazy and undisciplined and yeah. willpower. And, but yet when you do drugs and alcohol, you're hip and cool and you live in Williamsburg. That's I mean, you know, but a fat person's just a slob. So it is like battling that stereotype. And by the way, it's, it's not possible to quit food. Yeah. You can't suddenly be like, I'm never eating again. Like I wish, dude, the happiest two weeks of my life were after the surgery when you couldn't eat anything. Yeah. You just drink water or have broth for like two weeks. I was like, oh, this is what it feels to be free from an addiction. This is great. So now, you know, that food's back in my life, I got to still work on it just, you know, like anybody else. Yeah. Some people will go out, you know, on the weekends or during the week and they'll have, you know, six or seven drinks and get drunk and they're the life of the party or they're, they're cool or they're, they're having fun. I would rather, um, I don't know, eat seven bagels. Exactly. But, but like Hunk, hunker down with something <laughs> from H and H. I know. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? But yet it's an odd thing to say to somebody, Hey, you want to go out and binge eat, you know, but binge drink. That's fine. Right. You know? That's right. God, guys should have just slipped roofies into my bagels now that I think about it. That would have been so much more fun. The old everything plus roofie bagel. Oh, damn, that's good. The Lisa Lampanelli special. (laughs) It works. I tell you, it works. Run me through, uh, I know our, our listeners like to hear how a comic lives their life. Run me through, I mean, you're doing Bethany today. What's what's the rest of your day like? Oh, I'm doing. I was like, since I'm wasting all this time, like three hours trying to look halfway human at age 52, I was like, okay, hair and makeup for three hours. I might as well capitalize on it. So I'm like, I'll do some other TV stuff too. So I'm going to do uh, something on Showbiz called Showbiz tonight on HLN. Oh, nice. Uh, then I'm going to run up to Connecticut because I have a house in Connecticut because sure. I'm really rich, as mm-hmm. you know. I know. <laughs> I'm like minor league rich, and um. I take all these, I had taken a summer acting conservatory at Yale this year, and it really got me hooked on, you know, the Yale approach to acting. Like, they really know what they're doing. Yeah. So I have two tutors that I meet with tomorrow for about three or four hours to, like, really work on my one-person show. And um, I also, oh, this is so gay. I really got hooked on text analysis, which is like you'll read a play and then analyze the play and how it should be performed. Yeah. And it's real. It's like a really intense study. And I'm just kind of really into it. So I work with a girl up there on analyzing different plays that I might want to do someday. Um, And then I'll probably see my parents because, you know, they're 89 and 84. How long are they going to last? I might as well see them (laughs) before they're in the ground. That's like my biggest fear is that I'll like be in Connecticut and not see them and then they're dead. So then I'll hate myself forever. So I see them, then I'll come back and ignore my husband and my dog, but it's okay because there's baseball on, I think. There's some big playoff thing happening. Yeah, I think it's playoffs, yes. Oh, okay, well that, So I've heard. Oh, and exactly, I don't keep track of that. So he's happy being ignored. And then we'll watch like three episodes of Family Ties at 3 a.m. and go to bed. That's pretty much my life. I like it. Yeah, the acting, the comedy. Oh, and then I go on the road this weekend for three comedy shows. So it's, uh, it's always working on the show and the acting and then also... Uh, working on ignoring my family and having a life. (laughs) 
there's that guilt. There's I, that guilt. You, there you, is. you mentioned ignoring your family because you're, you feel guilty. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, it's just so weird to go, you know, I know I should enjoy them now, but I'm so busy. But eh, what's what's an hour having dinner at a cheap pizza joint with my parents going to hurt? Right. So I try to do what I can. Understandable. Understandable. Guilt. Uh... Yes, it does. It works wonders on us Jews and blacks <laughs> and Catholics, too. <laughs> huh? Yeah, I'm married. I have two kids, and oh, wow. uh, I I constantly just feel guilty, uh, yeah. you know, doing anything. Like I left before everybody woke up today. I'm like, ah, oh, that's I'm a hor- know, I'm a I horrible know. person. It, well, yes, I I have said I'm a, I'm a great well I'm a horrible wife, but I'm a really good husband. Like <laughs> I will absolutely be a great provider. I'll go in the man cave and let you do your dishes. But, you know, I'm not what someone would consider a doting wife by any chance. But right. I think that's why you marry an adult. You marry somebody who gets what you bring to the table and he brings something else to the table and it's fine. Yeah. I mean, that, I think it all depends on, you know, the matchup. If, uh, yes. you know, if you married somebody exactly like yourself, maybe you guys would, would be in some trouble. Oh, my God, dude. That's <laughs> so funny you say that because I've always said if we married two of me, we'd be insane. And if we married two of him, we'd be homeless. <laughs> that's how it's how, that's how it would totally work so where is where is jimmy now oh he's sleeping he's oh, in the other oh, room. oh he's here oh yeah oh we should wake him up and okay. interview him from oh, the bed he'd love that <laughs> yeah no i think he has a big day today he has to work two, his two days a week so uh how dare you how dare you sir <laughs> <laughs> i had no idea he's such he's such a quiet sleeper he really is he doesn't snore anymore since he lost the weight honestly he lost 98 pounds and he's not snored he hasn't had sleep apnea or allergies or asthma ever again i mean wow. it's, it's great it's like oh thank god because that's divorce worthy if somebody's snoring i can't take it <laughs> oy, oy, oy. though it is fun to to violently rustle your your partner oh in in yeah, bed absolutely you know you, you get out the anger Oh, I, see what a sweet guy you are. I always knew there was something seething and angry below the surface of this nice Rastafarian hair. Is your hair Rastafarian? It's, it's, I have naturally curly hair. What? I'm a, I do. I have naturally curly hair. Let, I'm, me, let me take a look at you. I'm a hundred percent. Oh, snap. I'm a hundred percent Italian. That's so Jewy though. I know a lot. Most people think I'm, um, I'm a Jew. Uh, Patrice O'Neill once spent 20 minutes accusing me of being a Jew during an interview. Oh my God, that's great. Well, that's the best thing he could have accused you of, <laughs> having money and a lot of holidays. It's not too bad. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't get why. I mean, he was accusatory. I'm like, even if I was a Jew, that would, uh, what would be, that would be Wait fine. Wait a minute, you're saying Patrice actually was accusatory and mean? <laughs> Come on, not him. He was, uh, 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 he was, uh, but uh, it was okay afterwards. Exactly. It was okay. Yeah, I do. I'm a white guy with, with dreadlocks right now. That's okay. I um, think it's cool. You know, you're hip, you're young, you're swinging, as yeah, you yeah. say today. I'm youngish. There you go. I'm, I'm, ah. I'm youngish, and I decided there's not much you can do with your hair when you have naturally curly hair. That's true. You might as well let it go. I mean, this whole, like, straightening your hair and changing who you are, I can't take it. You know, people people are never happy with what they got. You know, I have a niece who has the most beautiful curly hair. She has to straighten it all the time. Nobody can just look in a mirror and say, I'm okay. Yeah. You know, geez. Now, at least what, what, since we lost the weight, we can look in the mirror and say, I'm okay with a couple of stipulations, clothes on and with our heads cut off. <laughs> that we're perfect. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, everybody. It's 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 comforting to know that everybody hates themselves. It's oh, just it's yes. just a matter of degree, and it's also a matter of how that person deals with the self hatred. Yes, yes. Like if you don't take it out on yourself or anybody else, you're fine. Yeah. You know, just journal. I know. Oh God, is that the gayest sentence ever? Just journal. <laughs> Watch some Oprah. Oh, she went away. Forget it. We have got nothing. <laughs> Do you journal? No, I should though. I carry a journal with me that I don't write anything in. But every time I go to like an emotional eating retreat, which mm. I go to those things and like every time I go to the shrink, I'm like, oh my God, I have to write that down. I have to remember that affirmation. And even though affirmations are total bullshit, because if you have to tell yourself you're pretty, you're probably not. But <laughs> I should write things down. I just like my intentions are good. And then I go, I'm just too busy. Like I could either journal or I could watch, you know, that hoarders marathon. Well, let's just break out the hoarders. Right. Because huh? <laughs> at least you're not them. Oh, my God. Isn't that great when you can compare yourself? Oh, my God. At least I'm not Mama June. <laughs> oy, oy, oy. Though she, you know, she's an interesting study. Is Be she? I've well, never watched that show. Well, I, I've watched bits and pieces. Right. She, if you believe her, she's completely happy with herself. You know what? That would be great. I have always envied women who are happy with themselves. Like it's usually black women who are big and go, I love myself. Right. You bony ass white bitches got it all wrong. And they're pretty much right. Yeah. And I tried that too. Like I dated a guy back, wow, in my early thirties who was 400 pounds and he was really, you know, really funny comedian and he wasn't sloppy fat. He was more sexy fat like yeah. Jimmy was. And you know what? I was like, you know what? We both like ourselves at this weight. We like each other. But it just, for me, it didn't stick. I always knew maybe, maybe because I was always thin before everything went crazy in college. Maybe I wanted to get back to who I really was. So, hey, maybe old Mama June just is like that and it's like, screw it, this is who I am. Right. And for him, this is, this is the same, this is the guy that you write about in the book, right? Oh, yes, yes. So, it didn't, right. so it didn't end well for him, oh, right? Oh, he, he's a goner. Yeah. All my boyfriends die. Jimmy took a real chance getting married to me because my <laughs> boyfriends and ex-husbands just die. Is that true? Oh, yes. I have three dead ones, which I think is pretty good. I said in one of my specials, I should have a TV show called The Deadliest Snatch because <laughs> that's the situation. <laughs> Sad but true. How did you, You've been married before? Uh, How, yeah, but very briefly for like a year. I was Jimmy and I were both married for like a year. And uh, it was so long ago, it's almost like you don't even remember why or what happened. It's like some <laughs> bad dream. So luckily for me, mine ended well. It wasn't like an angry divorce or anything. Right. Neither one of us had a pot to piss in. We split up the wedding gifts and that was it. Right. And then he died two years later. Wow. But see, hey, if you get an amicable divorce, you're not all bummed out. You're not all angry and have guilt, which is like, oh, okay, we solved our stuff and bye-bye, you're dead. How old were you when you were married? I think I was about like 31, 32, I think. It's so hard to remember. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. And how did he die? I mean, um, not to get morbid, but. No, no, I think my mother called me one day. I was driving down to a gig in North Carolina and she said, Jim died. And I'm like, really? Like, I was just so surprised. That's yeah. young. And she said uh, they found him in his apartment in the city. It was one of those heat waves and um, it was like 90 degrees. And I know for a fact he used to exercise a lot. Yeah. So he might've been an over-exerciser. Um, and I guess his heart just gave out, which is so odd. Jesus Thank Christ. God it wasn't when we were married because I'd be a widow. Is that a horrible comedy shtick or what? <laughs> oh, was, was he a heavy guy? No, tiny. I think he just overdid it. 
And again, you never know if somebody has a heart problem, if somebody has something they never discovered, like a John Ritter type of thing. Yeah. So, bye-bye, funny man. Ugh. Well, the good thing was he wasn't angry with me. I wasn't mad at him. In fact, he had given me back then his, get this, this is how old we are, a Commodore 64 computer that he didn't <laughs> use anymore. And a, um, what do you call it? All his jokes, because he quit comedy. And he gave me both and he goes, guess which is worth more. I was, and I was like, I'm thinking the computer. And he's like, you're absolutely right. <laughs> so it ended well, at least for us. And then there's, uh, I'm sorry, but death just is, no, is just, death. It's just fascinating to me. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So that was the first one. The second one. Was Big Frank. Okay. That was Big Frank. Yeah. He clearly did not die falling off a skateboard. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> like, oh my God, how'd he die? Uh, skydiving? No, he ate a Domino's delivery man and choked on the bones. <laughs> so yeah, he was a fat bastard who died of diabetes. And then right. uh, I had another ex who died of cancer. Oh. But again, once they're exes, that's okay. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> you know, so the cancer—that's a bad one. Yeah, that uh, that gets a lot of people. I don't want the cancer to take me. I want to be the die in the sleep bitch at like eighty-nine or something years old. Yeah, I uh, I sometimes joke about cancer because I feel like if I joke about it, it won't happen. Like it'll you'll scare it away like I, the devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm I see you. And I sometimes think out loud. Like, I just assume I will get cancer of, so, yeah. of some sort. We're going to get something, even if it's just like a, a little cunt cancer or something. <laughs> right. Well, I probably won't get, a, won't get cunt you cancer. You never know. <laughs> I'd have to, I'd have to yeah. first grow that's, a vagina. That's true. That's true. And then have it become cancerous. <laughs> no, but I think, yeah, you have to almost joke about that stuff so it doesn't become that real to you. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I, I just hope... This is how much of a pessimist I am. I just hope I get a, a manageable cancer. Right. Prostate is sometimes not horrible. My father had that. Yeah. And he's fine. You know, the right. guy won't die. He's like 89 freaking years old. So, hey, I'm wishing you prostate cancer. Thank you. That would be great. Yeah. See, I'm a giver. That's how I roll. The pancreatic is the one you want to. Oh, that's the bad one. That's the one. Isn't that the one that if they tell you you have it, it's within like months? I mean, that gone. usually, yeah, that's it. Wow. There's no, um, there's, there's, there's nothing we can do. That's not even time to like have dinner with your folks out of guilt anymore. <laughs> you know, what's weird. Like if you got the cancer, the pancreatic, would you just like quit your job or would you keep doing what you do just cause you like it? No, I would, I, I would do something that I know I would quit. Yeah. See, you had, you, <laughs> I know. See, that's good to know you love your job that much. <laughs> Huh? I wouldn't probably wouldn't do comedy anymore, but I'd probably go around and like yell at people a lot because <laughs> I'd be angry. Is that bad? I think it's kind of good. I mean, yelling. I think it's honest. Sure. Uh, I don't know. Jesus Christ. I don't know what I would do. I know. See something to think about. That's your next special for the podcast. <laughs> Talk to cancer folks. One hour on what would you do if you had pancreatic cancer? Wow. That's a big, that's a happy subject, by the way. That would, I think that would, that would do well. And by the way, people who are listening, I just want you to know that Lisa is, is still getting her makeup done. It takes forever. She, I'm not, I'm not a spring chicken. She, but you would never know it. You are, this is, uh, you guys act as, as a team. You just. Yes, I'm focused. You, you just, what did you do to your eyebrows? The, what do you oh, call that? You curled your eyebrows? I know you curl your eyelashes. Eyelashes, you're right. Sorry. Your eyebrows, you're a villain in something like Willy Wonka or something. But no, this guy's great. That's the thing. It's like you got this is the best thing about a good makeup artist. They know when to talk to you and when not to. So uh, Rob's 
great. He comes in, he's like, I'll just let you read. I'll just let you have your coffee. And then you talk. It's great. And, you know, it's like... I've had people like limo drivers and stuff who basically are chatty Cathy's who yeah. like have to hurt your feelings and say stuff like, oh, I like your comedy, but my wife hates you. And you're you just know, like, really, really? What did that help today? What is that? I, I, mean, yeah, I think if they want a team with you and they think you'll think it's funny, but you're like, yeah, no, now you're fired. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh. I think it goes back to, you know, I think it goes back to people just assuming that you are just the most you know, self-assured, confident person in the world. And right. well, you know, and they whatever also, they say to you, ah. they also forget like you're a person. Cause, and I think Alan King, I heard a great Alan King quote, which was um, comics, unfortunately play a, a character who has the same name. So basically, even though the comic is different on stage, the Lisa Lampanelli on stage is different than the one off. You have the same name. So people get you mixed up with each other. Ah. So unfortunately, they think they can joke all the time. And sometimes you're just not in the mood to hear a fat joke or a black joke or a whatever. Right. And I really don't want to hear anybody else's racist jokes that they actually mean. Right. You know, oh, I got a good Jew joke for you. <laughs> yeah, no. I do it for a reason. You're just a redneck. Go die and get in a coffin. Going through my notebook here, I will, oh, yes. sc- I will scratch out all of my... Jew jokes. Oh, good. And my black jokes. See, that's nice. Of I was going to try out a whole bunch on you. You are a team player, you <laughs> Italian Wap Guinea. You are. <laughs> yeah, you're not always on. You don't, you never, know. Never, like, never on. That's what's so funny. It's like people are like, you're so nice in person. I'm like, yeah, unless you joke with me, then it's on. Then we have to get you fired. We have to like scream at you and devil. I do a devil wears Prada on their ass. Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever seen how Meryl Streep acts in that movie? That's how I learned to act towards people who F with me. That's fun. Uh, oh, it's so much fun. <laughs> so yeah, but usually I'm nice. How is, if somebody sees you uh, walking in the city and they and they recognize you and they want to approach you, what's the best way to approach Lisa Lampanelli? Oh my God, approach me at all. Say anything because no one's recognized me in a year because of the weight loss. So I have no emotional ego stroking outside my family. So no one has recognized me. There's a good thing about it. I don't have to tip anymore in restaurants because they don't know who I am and I stiff them. But man, I honestly never get recognized. But so if you recognize me, please come up and just say, Hi, I like your comedy, Miss Lampanelli. Don't hit me with the first name. I'm a professional. Actually, you know, Dame Lampanelli. I'm like Judy Dench, that whore. Oh, I like that. I like it too. It's sassy. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh, I'm going to fuck it up. What's it? I, is it just called Soap or. Um, oh, yeah. Soap I love dish. that Soap it's, Dish. It's when they um, she goes to the mall and yes. she, she <laughs> like goes, uh, plants somebody to recognize her so that she feels good about yeah, herself. Yeah, Whoopi Goldberg. I, I love is it Whoopi? that. Yeah. Yes, Whoopi it, it is and Whoopi, Sally you. Field. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That's a real good ploy. So you got to pull that. Well, if I needed it, look at me. I'm emotionally stable now you asshole <laughs> i don't need it i don't need it i just need to go on talk shows and talk about myself yeah that's not too needy right i mean listen if uh you know i think anybody would jump at that if somebody asked you to be on a talk show then you you know i do enjoy talking about myself like i really like it like everybody likes to be interviewed i mean i would think don't you probably have no problem getting people to come on the show right i mean i it's 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 usually not a, a huge struggle 
Yeah, see, it's we like thinking our views mean something. And if your four listeners enjoy it, then we're happy. <laughs> we have seven, at least at least seven listeners. I'm proud of Although you. Although I am, I am no, up. you know, it's a, it's an honor. We've been trying to schedule this for a while, and you have been. I know. I'm. So, you've been so asshole. nice. You you could have just blown it off. I could have. You could have been like, yeah, no, 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 because you've got Howard Stern. You don't need me. No, but I save in my <laughs> email. This is what I do. If it's something that I've been putting off just because of schedule, I like save it in a folder. I'm like, I got to schedule this when I can because you were always real cool with me. Yeah. Like you always write nice stuff. Sure. And you don't like be a dick or whatever. And you're also the guy who goes, I understand if you're away for the summer. Yeah. Like you're not that dick who tries to pressure you. I'm not. Gonna... And also you're not a comedian with a podcast. That's just nothing special. I got to say, I, I like that about myself. Enough of the comedy. I mean, com- comics. They'll do anything to just get out there. It's like, stop it. Nobody's listening to your fucking podcast. No one cares. Am I wrong? I mean, I I think comedians with podcasts are more popular than you would think. And it bums me really? out. I think so. And it bums me out because as someone who has never done comedy. Right, right. And my, I mean, my background is very similar mm-hmm. to yours, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, English major, mm-hmm. journalism, fact checking. Right. Ooh. That's where I came from. Used to write for music magazines, Alternative oh, Press, okay. CMJ, tour buses with bands, all that good stuff. Right, right. Very similar to what you used oh, to do. Oh, okay, cool. So that's that's my background. And when I started covering comedy in 2005, mm-hmm. it was always, you know, to get, you know, a, a high caliber comedian to do an interview was right. a, it was a get. It was yeah. it was proof that you were doing something good and and people respected what you were doing. It was it was sort of a sign of that. Right. And now that's all been washed away. Right. Because, well, this person who's best friends with Chris Rock has a podcast, then he's just going to interview Chris Rock because they're friends. And so now, now I've got to readjust and figure out what's going to make laugh spin stand out. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, you do, you are like a forum for us. So that's really good. Like there's some place to go and really talk about comedy. Yeah. You know, and I promise you right now, I'll never do a comics podcast unless it has good ratings. How's that? Okay. I'll do Adam Carolla's, <laughs> Greg Fitzsimmons. You, you know, just, 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 just the good guys. You should, you should do whatever is I going to make you. I will do that. You, you're right. You I'll should, probably do anything I can. Absolutely. <laughs> when you're you desperate, you're desperate. You should. You should do whatever <laughs> you, you want to do. I, you know, I, you know, I take it not personally, but it's, it's a bit of a bummer once these, you know, Marin's podcast is, oh, is, is phenomenal. I'll do too. So I do love that. It, it's that. great. I mean, it, it's great. But I mean, after his became so popular, every comedian thought, yeah, I could do that. Here's the thing. Not everyone can do everything. Yeah. You know, it's almost like just because Marin and Corolla found a way to make bank on that doesn't mean it's just going to happen. Yeah. And also they're special too. think what they bring to the table, those two guys. Yeah. You know, so I, I stay out of that arena. I'm like, you know what? I do my little one hour on Howard 101 once a month. That's the most I can ramp up the energy for and that's it that's all i got in me well if you're gonna do one thing that's uh that's a bad thing that's the thing to do yeah stern i know my dog is like being extremely needy he's adorable parker oh you got how old how old is my doggy voice on on, on the radio that's exclusive here. I know. Le- the Lisa go. Lampanelli doggy voice. Right, right. Parker's How- three. Oh, he's three. He, three and a half. We adopted him like right before the wedding, which is great. You just add 
so much more stress into your life training a dog that you forget about your wedding and the horrible mistake you might be making. That's um, not not to make this about me some more, but uh, (laughs) I launched last spin used to be called Punchline Magazine. I launched that website two days before I got married. See, why do you think I did that? We do it because it distracts (laughs) us. I know it's it's a method to our madness. I remember like training this guy how to like shit on a pad and stuff. And this way you don't go, oh, my God, I'm ruining my life. Right. And see, and it ended up we're actually in happy marriages because we have these distractions. We know how to joke about it. Yeah, we do. Yes, he's a good boy. <laughs> I'm not talking to you about. I'm talking to the dog. Okay, calm down. <laughs> makeup is done. I wanna. Makeup's I wanna. Done. Makeup is done. You look great. Oh, I'm I, not I'm that gonna, you didn't before, I'm gonna, Lisa. I'm gonna. I'm gonna now. Once we get off the air, criticize everything he did and make him do it over. <laughs> I'm going to pull a Latoya Jackson on his ass. I just hear she's a bitch. I don't know. He didn't tell me that. Let's say she is. Yeah. yeah. Let's just pretend. Do you work with Latoya? No, no, no. I was just joking around. (laughs) No, from somebody else. I always just throw a name in that I can like shit on and what are they going to do to me? Sure. I'm trying to think. You brought up in the book. Let's just shit on her. Who do you, who was it that you, uh, I feel bad about one reference because I didn't know the person. Sandra Bernard? Yes. Because I didn't know her at the time. So I just throw in a joke about her. And now that I like her and we're friendly. Not just one. Not just one, Lisa. No, it was just one. There was a few mentions in that book. There was. Shit. (laughs) And I, she knows now that we're friends that I clearly just was throwing in a name of somebody. So. Right, right. Oops. Sorry. Love you. It goes back to once you meet the person, it's like. I know. I ended up really liking her. She's together. She's cool. She got a hot girlfriend yeah she, you can get some hot pussy when you're a hot dyke comic sure i know well i get hot pussy too it's mm-hmm. called jimmy <laughs> it's true <laughs> well lisa i'm gonna let you go i know you have a, a big day oh uh, you're the best this is really cool man seriously well, thank you i like questions like that you ask because i didn't hear them all the time mm-hmm. like you know when you're doing like a day of interviews and there's always some dick who asks you this how's you starting comedy right and i honestly snapped on people and going really it's only online 500 times you couldn't fucking look it up and i hang up because i just can't even wow. so thank you for asking stuff that people don't ask yeah i mean i, I try that, that's journalism 101 thank ask you. ask your questions but ask them from a from a i don't want to say a learned place because that sounds douchey but no, but it's true but do your research and if you research and you know how they started out in comedy, then ask some questions about Thank you. that situation. Like, oh, so you're... Right. I remember my first celebrity interview ever was Fred Gwynn, who was uh, Herman on the Monsters. Oh, no way. And the reason I was interviewing him, that was for a newspaper in Connecticut, and he was uh, doing Claudius in Hamlet, because ah. he's a really well-trained actor from Harvard. So like, my first question was something like, when you were with the such and such players at Harvard, and he goes, what, you read? And back then, we didn't have computers. Yeah. You looked it up on Nexus, this thing, this, this Oh, I know, thing. Lexus Nexus. Remember that? It's now accurate. Uh, it's amazing, and you go, okay, I actually researched the guy in microfilm, and he was appreciative. People now got a computer. Look it up, folks. Forewarned. If you ask me how I started in comedy, you're getting a hang up. Yeah. Suck it, bitch. <laughs> and then I'm getting a podcast to punish you all. <laughs> Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate you welcoming me into your home. Oh, I mean, anytime. Someday you come up to the compound in Connecticut and see how the other half. Oh, uh, I would love it. Yeah, it's really good. I would it's love hot. it. It's hot. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks, buddy. And there you have it. Lisa Lampinelli on the Laugh Spin podcast. Thanks again to Lisa for taking the time sitting down and chatting with me. And thanks to you guys, especially for taking the time and listening. Uh, We really do appreciate it. 
the Last Spin podcast has existed for a little bit over a year, and we really appreciate uh, our longtime listeners. And if this is your first time listening, we welcome you and we invite you to listen each and every week. We hope we offer you a service and we hope it's entertaining and fun. If you liked what you heard, please do go to iTunes and leave a review. If you're listening on SoundCloud, thanks. If you're listening on Stitcher, thanks. You could also listen on TuneIn.com. And please, by all means, visit LaughSpin.com every day, many times a day to get your dose of comedy news and videos and opinion. And just it's just a fun time. It's a fun time there on LaughSpin.com. So again, thank you so much for listening. We hope to hear from you and we hope you come back. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.